Hello, knowledge seekers. In this episode of 20 Minute Books, we delve into Black and British by David Olusoga, a groundbreaking exploration that traces Britain's intricate relationship with Africa and the Caribbean from Roman times to the present. Olusoga, a distinguished British-Nigerian historian, broadcaster and filmmaker, serves as Professor of Public History at the University of Manchester, with a prolific background that includes award-winning works like The World's War. Olusoga brings a compelling narrative to the forefront, challenging conventional narratives by highlighting the significant yet often overlooked presence of black individuals in British history. Black and British not only examines Britain's pivotal role in the transatlantic slave trade, but also celebrates the indelible contributions of black people to British culture, society, and history as a whole. This book is a crucial read for history enthusiasts eager to gain a deeper understanding of British history. Cultural aficionados interested in the rich tapestry of the African diaspora, and scholars dedicated to uncovering and acknowledging marginalized histories. Join us as we explore how the story of Black Britain is inextricably linked with the story of Britain itself, painting a more inclusive and comprehensive picture of a nation's past. Black and British a forgotten history. Introduction. Uncover the hidden threads, the indispensable African influence in British history. In an era marked by seismic shifts and polarizing events, from the unexpected election of Donald Trump to the seismic shockwaves of Brexit, the world feels increasingly divided. These pivotal moments have accentuated an us-versus-them narrative, especially in Britain where Brexit has starkly outlined notions of belonging. But if we peel back the layers of Britain's rich tapestry, we find that it's woven with threads of diverse heritage, particularly those of African descent. This revelation challenges the simplified narrative of a homogeneously white Britain, revealing a complex, intertwined history that defies the binary of us and them. As we embark on a journey through time, we'll discover a history that's not widely acknowledged. The significant presence of Africans in Britain stretching back over a millennium. This narrative is not just a footnote, but a testament to the profound and inseparable connections between Britain and Africa, challenging perceptions and rewriting the narrative of what it means to be British. The exploration doesn't stop there. We also wade into the tumultuous waters of the transatlantic slave trade, a grim chapter where Britain played an undeniable role. This period, marked by exploitation and suffering, also bore witness to resilience, resistance, and incredible human spirit, emphasizing the complex ties between these two continents. Moreover, the contribution of people of African descent during critical junctures in Britain's history, specifically their valor and sacrifice in both world wars, is a powerful reminder of their indelible mark on the fabric of British society. These stories of heroism and service further debunk the myth of a monocultural Britain, presenting a more inclusive and accurate portrayal of its diverse identity. By exploring these pivotal themes, we gain not just a deeper understanding of Britain's historical context, but also a broader perspective on the contributions of African descendants to its narrative. 
This exploration serves as a reminder that history is multifaceted, and the true story of Britain is one that embraces and acknowledges the rich diversity that has shaped it into the nation it is today. Part 1. Unveiling the Veiled. The Crucial African Legacy in Britain's Saga. Nestled at the Sierra Leone River's estuary in West Africa, lays Bunce Island, home to the remnants of a fortress that played a pivotal role in the British slave trade. This fortress was a key site from where countless Africans were forcibly sent to work on plantations across the Caribbean and the Americas. Spanning nearly two centuries, Britain emerged as a dominant force in the Atlantic slave trade, responsible for transporting half of all the Africans enslaved in the 18th century. However, there's a stark contrast in how Britain's involvement in the slave trade is remembered, if at all. Bunce Island, a significant marker of British involvement, was lost to collective memory until the 1970s, when archaeologists unearthed its history, dubbing it the Pompeii of the Atlantic slave trade. This oversight is emblematic of a broader amnesia. While the narrative of American slavery is familiar to many in Britain, their own country's complicity often remains in the shadows, obscured further by the geographic distance of British plantations in the West Indies from the British mainland. Yet reducing black individuals' roles to merely victims in this dark chapter fails to capture the full spectrum of their influence and participation in British history. Sailors of African descent, for instance, not only existed, but thrived within the British naval ranks. The legendary explorer Francis Drake's voyage around the globe in 1577 included Africans among his crew, showcasing their involvement in pioneering explorations. Similarly, in his confrontation with the Spanish in Central America, Drake allied with the Cimarroons, a group of mixed-race Africans, showcasing early instances of African and British cooperation against common foes. The narrative extends to the battlefield, where Admiral Lord Horatio Nelson, celebrated for his naval victory against Napoleon's forces, was supported by black sailors during the iconic Battle of Cape Trafalgar. Among Nelson's crew, Africans born either in Africa or the West Indies played a vital role, underscoring their participation in shaping British naval history. Interestingly, Nelson's column in London, a monument celebrated for its historical importance, includes a depiction of a black sailor amongst those who stood by Nelson in his final moments, offering a visual reminder of their indelible contributions. The stories of black individuals, in roles ranging from victims to key historical agents, constitute an integral part of Britain's history. Beyond the scars of slavery lie tales of resilience, cooperation, and shared history that deserve to be acknowledged and celebrated. As we reimagine Britain's past, recognizing the rich African heritage woven into its fabric is not just an act of remembrance, but a step toward honoring the true diversity and complexity of British history. Part 2 A Journey Through Time The African Presence in Roman Britain Imagine walking into a London bookstore in the 1990s, as African-American historian Gretchen Gerzina did, only to be told a startling piece of misinformation, that black people hadn't been in England before 1945. This claim couldn't be more disconnected from the rich, complex tapestry of British history. In reality, the African presence in Britain dates back to the Roman Empire's reign, 
challenging our perceptions and inviting us to revisit the narratives we thought we knew. The documented arrival of Africans in Britain starts as early as the 3rd century CE. At this time, Britain was a part of the Roman Empire, a sprawling domain that encompassed parts of Europe and North Africa. Among those who made their way to Britain were the Aurelian Moors, Africans who became part of the Roman military machinery, serving in the northern realms of the empire. Evidence of their presence and integration has been found in what is now the county of Cumbria, revealing that African individuals served in significant roles within the empire's military establishments on British soil. Yet, the story doesn't stop with military personnel. The ivory bangle lady, whose remains were discovered in York, offers a captivating glimpse into the life of an African woman of high social status in third-century Britain. Buried with her were items indicative of wealth and status, such as ivory bangles, glass beads, and perfume bottles, suggesting not just her affluence but also the cultural interconnectedness of the Roman Empire. Radioisotope scans of her remains have provided insights into her origins, linking her to North Africa and revealing her movement across the empire, likely alongside Roman soldiers and their families, to the settlement that eventually became York. Further complicating this narrative is the discovery of another young woman, nicknamed Beachy Head, in southern England, living between 125 and 245 CE. Radioisotope analysis unveiled her sub-Saharan origins. Known as an Afro-Roman, her upbringing in the south of England, and the evidence of a nourished youth point to a comfortable social position, debunking notions of monolithic identities and experiences among African individuals in Roman Britain. These archaeological findings serve as powerful counter-arguments to the misconception that black people have no long-standing historical ties to England. From soldiers in the Roman army to individuals of high status, Africans have not only been present, but have played integral roles in the social fabric of Britain far earlier than many recognize. As we uncover and embrace these stories, we challenge outdated narratives, enriching our understanding of the deep and diverse history that shapes Britain today. Part 3. Shadows and Light. Black Lives in Tudor and Elizabethan England. In the era spanning from 1485 to 1603, an age dominated by the Tudors and the illustrious reign of Queen Elizabeth I, our historical lens struggles to bring into focus the lives of black Britons. They hover at the edges of the record, glimpsed only briefly through mentions such as the three Blackamoor maids in the service of a London alderman, or the baptism of Mary, described simply as a Negro of John White in Plymouth. These tantalizing hints suggest a presence and a story largely untold, interwoven with the broader narrative of Tudor England. The roles black individuals played during this period were predominantly those of domestic servants, indicating their placement at the lower echelons of society. Despite this, there were exceptional stories of black Britons reaching remarkable heights within Tudor society. A notable example is John Blanky, a trumpeter in the Tudor court, who likely arrived with Catherine of Aragon's entourage from Portugal in 1501. Blanqui's prominence and recognition, including performances at pivotal celebrations, underline the complexity of the Tudor era's engagement with black individuals. 
This period, situated before the full influx of the Atlantic slave trade, bore witness to an intricate and often contradictory set of attitudes toward black individuals. William Shakespeare, the era's quintessential playwright, encapsulated these ambivalences in Othello, his tragedy about a black general navigating love, honor, and betrayal in Venice. Othello's character oscillates between being revered and reviled, his noble qualities and tragic fall embodying the contradictory Elizabethan sentiments towards blackness. Othello vividly portrays the societal anxieties of the time, particularly those surrounding race and interracial relationships. The play fixates on Othello's dark skin and exotic origins, reflecting underlying fears of racial mixing, as seen in the disastrous union between Othello and Desdemona. Yet, Shakespeare's portrayal of Othello as valiant, dignified, and honorable, especially in contrast to the villainous Iago, reveals a measure of empathy and complexity in Elizabethan perspectives on race, a nuance that would later be obscured by the shadow of the burgeoning slave trade. This epoch in British history, with its mix of fear, fascination, and fleeting moments of recognition, lays bare the multifaceted and often contradictory ways in which black lives were woven into the tapestry of Tudor and Elizabethan society. As we delve into these shadows, we find not only the constraints and challenges faced by black Britons, but also instances of prominence and acclaim that challenge our understanding of this storied period. Part 4. The Stark Divide. How the Slave Trade Sculpted Racial Ideologies. In the mid-17th century, the landscape of Barbados, then a bustling hub in the nascent British Empire, began to undergo a dramatic transformation. From a modest figure of 200 enslaved Africans among a population of 6,000 in 1637, the number soared to 38,000 by 1680. This exponential increase in enslaved individuals was a clear indicator of the burgeoning slave trade and marked a pivotal shift in societal structures, setting the stage for entrenched racial divides. Before the advent of large-scale slavery, social hierarchies were primarily defined by class rather than race. White indentured servants and African individuals shared similar social and economic positions, both standing on the lower rungs of society's ladder. However, as the plantation economy expanded and the demand for labor grew, the Barbados Slave Code of 1661 crystallized the division between white servants and Negro slaves. All white men, regardless of their social standing, were endowed with rights that were systematically denied to all black individuals. Society was thus cleaved along racial lines, with white and Negro emerging as the new dominant categories. This racial segregation was not confined to the colonies. It reverberated back to Britain itself. By the mid-18th century, between 3,000 and 4,000 black individuals resided in Britain, many of whom lived lives bounded by servitude or slavery. The era also saw black servants becoming symbols of prestige among the upper classes, with wealthy slave owners commissioning portraits that featured them alongside their enslaved servants in a display of status and wealth. Iconic paintings such as George Stubbs's 1759 depiction of Henry Fox and the third Earl of Albemarle and Joshua Reynolds' portrait of the Prince of Wales 
subtly underscored this trend, presenting black individuals in subservient roles, reinforcing their marginalized status within the societal hierarchy. The dehumanization of black people reached chilling levels, with some enslaved individuals in England being marked with brass or copper collars, akin to property identification. This brutal practice was encapsulated in an advertisement by goldsmith Matthew Dyer, who unflinchingly offered to craft silver padlocks for blacks or dogs, highlighting the troubling conflation of human beings with animals under the ideology of slavery. The escalation of the slave trade and the accompanying emergence of a rigid racial ideology had far-reaching consequences profoundly shaping interpersonal relations and societal structures both within the British colonies and in Britain itself. This period marked the beginning of a dark chapter in history, where the lives and liberties of black individuals were severely curtailed, laying the groundwork for centuries of struggle for equality and recognition. Part 5. The Spark of Freedom, the landmark Somerset case and its impact on British slavery. In a defining moment of 1772 London, James Somerset, a former slave, found himself at the heart of a monumental legal battle. His journey to this point had been arduous. After enduring more than two decades of enslavement under Charles Stuart in Virginia, Somerset was brought to London. Following a daring escape, recapture, and a subsequent flight to freedom, he sought the assistance of the abolitionist Granville Sharp igniting a firestorm of legal debate that would reverberate through the annals of British history. At the core of Somerset's case was a fundamental question. Could the institution of slavery find legal sanctuary on British soil, a land without explicit laws endorsing such bondage? This query was born out of the practical reality that, unlike the slave-reliant colonies, Britain itself did not have clear statutes governing the legality of slavery within its borders. This legal grey area provided a glimmer of hope for Somerset and his advocates, as they argued against Stuart's claim to Somerset's service. The duty of adjudicating this contentious issue fell upon Lord Mansfield, a respected judge whose decision was eagerly anticipated. The courtroom buzzed with anticipation as both sides presented their arguments before a captivated audience, with the proceedings capturing widespread media attention. After a month of contemplation, Lord Mansfield delivered a verdict that would echo through time. Absent a positive law affirming slavery, Somerset would be set free. This landmark judgment was not just seen as liberation for Somerset, but as a beacon of hope for all enslaved individuals in Britain signalling a significant, if not wholly understood, restriction on slave owners' rights on British soil. Though the actual legal reach of Mansfield's ruling remains subject to interpretation, the immediate aftermath saw it heralded as a victory that extended beyond Somerset to potentially all enslaved people in Britain. The popular understanding, especially among enslaved individuals and abolitionist circles, was that the judgment effectively endorsed freedom for black individuals in England. Mansfield's verdict thus stands as a pivotal juncture in the fight against slavery on British soil, a bold assertion of human dignity against the backdrop of an inhumane practice. Regardless of the specifics of its legal applicability, the Somerset case served as a critical blow to the institution of slavery in Britain, 
lighting a path toward the eventual abolition of slavery across the British Empire. This groundbreaking case, spearheaded by the courage of James Somerset and the determination of his supporters, marks a seminal victory in the long and arduous struggle for justice and freedom. Part 6. The Tide of Change. The Rise and Triumph of the Abolitionist Movement. In 1781, the incident aboard the slave ship Zong marked a chilling milestone in the barbarity of the transatlantic slave trade, with 442 enslaved individuals crammed into a vessel designed for half that number. Navigational errors led to a dire shortage of fresh water and a rapid spread of disease. In a harrowing decision to preserve supplies, the crew threw 133 ailing captives overboard, a fact later revealed during a court case for insurance compensation based on the loss of cargo. This revelation sparked widespread horror and played a pivotal role in propelling the abolitionist movement into the public consciousness. The foundation of formal abolitionist activism solidified in 1787 with the establishment of the Society for Effecting, the abolition of the slave trade. Initially formed by nine Quakers and evangelical Christians, including notable figure Granville Sharp, this group marked the beginning of a concerted campaign to end the slave trade. The movement, however, was not limited to these initial activists. It was significantly enriched and strengthened by the involvement of black Britons, many of whom were formerly enslaved. Central figures such as Olauda Equiano and Otoba Cugoano shared their first-hand experiences through best-selling autobiographies and public speaking, offering a human face to the horrors of slavery. Their efforts, alongside others in the Sons of Africa group, were instrumental in raising public awareness and mobilizing support across Britain. Abolitionists employed innovative tactics to engage and mobilize the public, notably pioneering the mass petition. From 1787 to 1792, an astonishing 1.5 million British citizens signed petitions against the slave trade, representing an impressive proportion of the population at the time. The boycott emerged as another powerful tool, with abolitionists encouraging the public to avoid products like rum and sugar produced through slave labor, further connecting everyday choices to the broader cause. The culmination of these tireless efforts was the passage of the Slave Trade Act in 1807, which effectively dismantled the British transatlantic slave trade. Yet the journey toward complete abolition was far from over. It would take another 26 years of persistent campaigning before the Slavery Abolition Act was passed in 1833, a legislative victory that extended beyond the trade to abolish slavery itself within British dominions. The final emancipation of all enslaved individuals in 1838 marked not only the end of slavery, but also symbolized the enduring power of collective activism and the moral imperative to fight for justice. Part 7. The Shadow of Complicity, Britain's Economic Entanglement in American Slavery In the closing years of the 18th century, an invention would emerge from Savannah, Georgia, that significantly altered the trajectory of American slavery and, by extension, Britain's economic foundations. The inventor, Eli Whitney, a schoolteacher, devised the cotton gin in 1792, a machine that drastically expedited the separation of cotton seeds from their fibers. 
This breakthrough, seemingly innocuous at the time, revitalized the otherwise waning institution of slavery in America by making cotton production immensely more profitable. Subsequently, the American South witnessed a surge in the demand for enslaved labor as plantations expanded to capitalize on the burgeoning cotton industry. States like Louisiana, Alabama, and the Carolinas became hotbeds of slave-augmented cotton production, intertwining the fates of American slaveholders and British industrialists. The epicenter of the Industrial Revolution, Britain, with its thriving textile mills in Manchester, Lancashire, and North Cheshire, became the primary beneficiary of American cotton. Remarkably, between 1848 and 1858, the share of U.S. cotton imported by Britain never dipped below 73%, occasionally reaching a staggering 97%. This dependence unveiled an uncomfortable truth. Three decades after outlawing slavery and a half-century following the abolition of the slave trade, Britain found itself deeply enmeshed in the economics of American slavery. The American Civil War, erupting in 1861, starkly exposed Britain's precarious position. As the conflict disrupted cotton production in the Confederate South, British towns reliant on cotton manufacturing grappled with widespread unemployment, with up to 70% of the workforce idle by 1862. Consequently, notable manufacturing hubs such as Liverpool leaned towards supporting the Southern Confederacy, driven by economic self-interest rather than moral alignment. The British government, adopting a stance of neutrality, refrained from endorsing the Union's fight against the Confederacy, an ironic posture for a nation that had proudly banned slavery within its realms. However, the tide turned with President Abraham Lincoln's Emancipation Proclamation on January 1, 1863, which transformed the Civil War into a definitive battle against the institution of slavery. This pivotal moment galvanized British support for the Union, aligning the country with the newfound moral imperative of the conflict. The proclamation recast the war as a direct confrontation with slavery, bringing Britain's abolitionist principles into sharp relief against its economic entanglements. In this reshaped moral landscape, Britain repositioned itself to support the struggle for freedom in the American South marking a belated but significant alignment of economic interests with ethical conviction. Part 8. From Jubilee to Dominion, the British Empire's Expansion into Africa In the year 1884, as the British and Foreign Anti-Slavery Society reveled in London, celebrating half a century since the abolition of slavery within the British Empire, a starkly contrasting event unfolded on the continent. The Berlin Conference, gathering the political elites of Europe's great powers, but notably devoid of a single African representative, set the stage for what would become known as the Scramble for Africa. This diplomatic convocation effectively sanctioned the partitioning of the African continent among European powers, igniting an era of unprecedented colonial expansion. By the dawn of the 20th century, the colonial footprint had dramatically altered the African landscape. From a continent largely under African dominion in 1870, where Europeans controlled a mere 10%, the tables had turned by 1900, with 90% falling under European dominion. Britain, leveraging its imperial might, 
emerged as the preeminent colonial power, bringing one-third of Africa's population under its rule and expanding its empire by nine million square miles of territory. This seismic expansion was propelled by a confluence of technological advancements. Steam-powered riverboats transformed Africa's rivers into navigable waterways, opening the continent's heartlands to European intrusion. Medical breakthroughs, particularly the use of quinine, mitigated the risks of tropical diseases like malaria, which had previously decimated Europeans in these regions. The introduction of the Maxim machine gun, a devastating tool of war, enabled vastly outnumbered European forces to subjugate large African armies with brutal efficiency. The ideology buttressing this colonial onslaught was shaped by the emergence of social Darwinism, a philosophy rooted in a misappropriation of Charles Darwin's origin of species. Darwin's theory of evolution through natural selection was twisted to justify European dominance, framing the act of conquest as evidence of racial superiority. This era also witnessed the grotesque popularity of human zoos, where individuals from colonized territories were displayed as curiosities in exhibitions across Britain and Europe, further entrenching racial hierarchies and dehumanizing those subjected to colonial rule. Thus, the latter part of the 19th century marked a new, bleak chapter in Britain's engagement with the African continent. Far from the ideals celebrated at the anti-slavery jubilee, Britain delved deeper into the shadows of exploitation and dominion, casting a long legacy of imperial control and racial subjugation that would shape the relationships between Europe and Africa for generations to come. Part 9. The Forgotten Sacrifices, Black Servicemen in the Shadows of World War I Throughout the harrowing expanse of World War I, a significant yet largely overshadowed contingent of black servicemen and carriers played a pivotal role on behalf of Britain. In Africa, over one million Africans were conscripted as carriers, entrusted with the vital task of transporting supplies across treacherous terrains to aid British soldiers in their campaign against German forces. The toll was heavy, with an estimated 100,000 carriers losing their lives to the adversities of war. Despite these contributions, Racial prejudices of the era dictated the treatment and opportunities available to black servicemen. The British War Office, operating under discriminatory beliefs, established the British West Indies Regiment, WIR, yet relegated it to a support role. The BWIR, a labor battalion, was crafted to back up white troops, a decision underpinned by a fear that allowing black soldiers to engage directly with white, including German, adversaries could shatter the fragile edifice of racial prestige, sustaining Britain's colonial dominion. Even against this backdrop of institutionalized racism, individuals like William Tull emerged, embodying the defiance and aspirations of countless black Britons. Tull, a grandson of a Barbadian slave, transcended the entrenched racial barriers to become a second lieutenant, a rank ostensibly reserved for those of pure European descent. On the Western Front, Toll not only participated in combat, but led white soldiers against German forces, a feat of bravery that ultimately led to his demise in 1918. However, the cessation of hostilities did not herald an era of recognition or equality for black servicemen. Instead, their sacrifices were met with erasure 
and exclusion, epitomized by the refusal to allow black troops to partake in the victory parade in London 1919. This denial of acknowledgement was only the tip of the iceberg, as the post-war period ushered a palpable resentment and competition for employment, aggravating racial tensions. The year 1919 turned particularly virulent as cities like Glasgow, London and Liverpool witnessed orchestrated attacks on black individuals by white mobs. Tragically, this climate of hostility culminated in the lynching of Charles Wooten, a Bermudian black sailor and Royal Navy veteran, his death by drowning, exacerbated by a hateful mob's pursuit and subsequent assault, highlighted the grim reality faced by black servicemen and civilians alike, recognition in service, yet reviled in peace. In the aftermath of World War I, the experiences of black servicemen, marked by valor on the front lines and vilification at home, underline a painful paradox. Their narrative stands as a solemn reminder of the complexities and contradictions inherent in Britain's social fabric, demanding a re-evaluation of the sacrifices too long overlooked and the injustices that followed in the shadow of peace. Part 10, a new chapter, post-war migration and the struggle for acceptance in Britain. As World War II ravaged Europe, Britain, faced with the existential threat of Adolf Hitler's Nazi regime, opened its ranks to black soldiers from the West Indies and Africa, totaling nearly 400,000 men. These soldiers' contributions, however, did not shield them or their peers from the racial prejudices that persisted in Britain, even as the horrors of Hitler's racial policies were unveiled to the world. Despite emerging from a war that had profoundly discredited racially motivated hatred, Britain grappled with its own form of racism. The immediate post-war period saw a pressing demand for labour, juxtaposed with the government's hesitation to welcome black workers from the colonies. This reluctance was gradually overcome by the sheer necessity for reconstruction and the unstoppable tide of migration. A landmark moment in this migration narrative was the arrival of the Empire Windrush in 1948, carrying Jamaican migrants to London. This event heralded a significant increase in West Indian migration to Britain, propelled further by economic hardships, such as the devastating hurricane in Jamaica in 1951. By the mid-1950s, the number of West Indian arrivals surged dramatically, highlighting a new chapter in Britain's demographic story. However, the dreams of a better life were often marred by the harsh realities of discrimination and hostility. The social fabric of post-war Britain was tested by incidents of violence, such as those in Nottingham and the Notting Hill neighbourhood of London in 1958, where black residents faced attacks from white mobs. The framing of these events as riots by politicians, placing the blame on black migrants, further exacerbated the situation, fueling demands for immigration controls. The political response to this tension culminated in a series of legislative actions aimed at curbing immigration, beginning with the Commonwealth Immigrants Act of 1962 and followed by additional restrictions in the ensuing years. Political discourse, marked by Margaret Thatcher's 1978 assertion of the British population being swamped by immigrants, reflected and perhaps intensified public anxieties over immigration, despite immigrants comprising a mere 4% of the population at the time. 
the portraiture of black migrants as an alien horde, a stark contrast to the reality of their long-standing and complex relationship with Britain, shaped significantly by the legacy of slavery and colonialism, underscored the challenges of integration and acceptance. Yet it also highlighted an enduring connection, one that hinted at a shared fate and intertwined futures, challenging Britain to reconcile its historical contradictions with the realities of a multicultural post-war society. Final Summary The saga of Black Britons is a tale woven deeply into the fabric of British history, albeit often relegated to the fringe of its major narratives. From the arrival of Africans in Roman Britain to the valour demonstrated by black soldiers in the nation's wars. And through the resilience shown by the Windrush generation, the influence of people of African descent on the British Isles is profound and multifaceted. The history of Britain, marked significantly by the era of the transatlantic slave trade and the colonial enterprise in Africa and the Caribbean, is irrevocably intertwined with the experiences, struggles, and contributions of black individuals. Far from being passive elements within the annals of British history, black Britons have been active participants, fighting against the inhumanity of the slave trade, contributing to the economic and social fabric of the nation, and standing in defense of the country during its darkest hours. Their roles as agents of change and pillars of strength amidst adversities underscore their significance in shaping the course of British history. Amidst the backdrop of global conflicts and the push for civil rights, black servicemen and women served with distinction, highlighting their commitment to a nation that was often slow to recognize their sacrifices. Post-war migration movements driven by both the pull of economic opportunities and the push of colonial hardships, have further enriched the cultural and social landscape of Britain, despite the challenges of integration and acceptance. As we navigate through the intertwined narratives of Britain's past, it becomes clear that the story of Black Britons is not just a subplot. It is a central thread that offers insight into the broader themes of resilience, diversity, and the ongoing quest for justice and equality. The history of Britain, in its full complexity and richness, cannot be fully understood without acknowledging and appreciating the enduring influence and integral role of Africans and Caribbeans in shaping the British Isles. Their legacy is a testament to the indomitable spirit of those who, despite facing unparalleled challenges, have persevered and contributed immeasurably to the nation's story. Thank you for joining me today on this journey of learning and discovery as we explored the insights of another thought-provoking book in our growing library of knowledge. If you've enjoyed our time together, please take a moment to follow our podcast, give us a five-star rating, and share 20-minute books with other knowledge seekers. Your support truly means a lot. Don't forget to join me again in the next episode, where we will delve into another enriching book. Until then. Happy reading and happy listening.